Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And i got to be honest with you, I kissed the ground before I came in here. <laughs> Tom Dorian, hello, how are you doing? It's good to see you. That was kind of fun to watch, by the way. Well, yeah, exactly. And you're probably thinking, why? I don't get to see that every day. Why did he kiss the ground? Yeah. Well, I kissed the because I'm, I'm back in the good old U.S. of A. Welcome back. I know we have listeners all over the world, but you know what? I enjoy being home. Absolutely. I spent a lot of time in Lourdes, France. There you go. And that was kind of nice. Wow. Great, a great visit. We had some great shows. I, I got a lot of good feedback on the, on the shows we did there. But you know, it's good to be back. Welcome back. And you know, I'm glad to be sitting here uh, with you in the luxurious Thank corner you. booth of Thank the Catholic you. Cafe. Great to be here. Great to be here. Well, you know what? We're going to ask, uh, ask an important question today in today's show. I can't wait. Yeah. And this show is going to be about something that you might think, well, I kind of know what that's all about. Okay. And if, if I were to ask you. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hot one seat. of the things I like about you, Tom, is you're, you're like, you're every man. Oh, yeah, right. So I can I can talk to you, and I get a sense that I'm talking to every man. Did you just call me average? No, every man. Or below man. average? No, I think everybody's above average. That's oh, okay. the way I see it. All right. So you're every man. I'm going to ask every man this question. Okay. Are you a Christian? I am. Yeah. See, everyone quickly, every man, quickly puts themselves in that category. They're yeah. happy to be a Christian. Yeah. But then... It gets a little more difficult when I say, well, what does it mean to be a Christian, right? So then you start to define that a little bit. And, I, and, a, and a natural definition is, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. Right. Right. I, another word for that is disciple. I'm a disciple. Right. And we hear that word in Scripture all the time. Yeah. And so then the question becomes, what does it mean to be a disciple? Okay. I say that's a difficult question to answer for some it people. Is. You're right. It's easy to say you're a Christian. Easy to say you're a follower of Jesus. It's easy to say you're a disciple. It's just... Hard to say what that really means in your day-to-day life. What, what does that actually mean? And so you got some answers for us. Well, you know, all I the don't, way back from Lourdes. I don't have the answers. Oh yeah, you but did. I think God has the answers for us, and all right. especially uh, if we were to look in sacred scripture, we're going to find some good answers for for what it means to be a disciple. Okay, and to follow Jesus. So, uh, wh- where we're going to go in scripture? Mm-hmm. Is uh is we're going to go to uh, the gospel according to Luke. Okay. We're going to be in chapter nine. All right. We're gonna. I'm going to start reading a little bit here, and we're going to read starting at verse 57 of chapter nine in the gospel of Luke. As they were proceeding on their journey, someone said to him, meaning Jesus, of course, "I will follow you wherever you go." Jesus answered him, "Foxes have dens, and birds of the sky have nests." But the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And to another he said, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But he answered him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home. To him Jesus said, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. So we hear that scripture, and you might start thinking, well, wait a second. I thought uh, Deacon Jeff was going to tell us how to be a disciple. Yeah. And now we have all these things where it seems like Jesus is actually eschewing or getting rid of 
the people who want to follow him. Exactly. That he's like paring down his disciples. Right. And that's not necessarily what's going on specifically, but what we can see in in that particular passage and Mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about and focus on today is actually what it means to be a disciple, really by giving examples of what it means to not be a disciple okay. or what it doesn't mean to be a disciple. However you want to look at it, it's, it's the negative approach to help to help teach us a positive. Okay. And so the way we'll do that is we'll first, we'll talk about that first guy. All right. Right. The first guy that comes up and says, you know, I will follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Jesus can see inside someone's heart. Right. So he, he's looking at this man and he can see this man and. So then he has this particularly cryptic answer he comes up with. Right. Where he says, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Right. You know, Jesus likes to use uh, parables or images that, that make sense to somebody. Right. And maybe in modern times it's hard for us to kind of see what the sense is, but let's, let's look at his answer. Okay. So this guy wants to follow him and proclaims himself to be a follower. I'll follow you wherever you go. Right. And what Jesus says to him, by looking into his heart, he says to him is, when he says foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, he's basically saying they've got a home. Right. They've got possessions. They've got a place to be. And if you follow me, you're not going to have that. That's right. You're cutting it loose. Yeah. And essentially what Jesus is saying by employing that negative, essentially what he's saying when the Son of Man has no place to rest his head is he's like... Hey, you've got nowhere to call yourself home because you are going to disassociate yourself with all these things that you counted to be in your in your column. Exactly. You're going to have to let go of all those things. Right. And it's not only places. And it's not only a bed, not only a house to, you know, to call home. Well, it's going to be three squares and all it's the other all stuff. all of the things, all the other comforts of the world. Right. We've we, we got to cut loose. And essentially what Jesus is saying, if we turn it into a positive, essentially what Jesus is saying is to be a disciple. To be a follower of Jesus means that you have to count the cost. You have to realize right. that you that you have to you have to put forth an effort. Not only that, but it has to cost you. Right. Think about that for a second, because we all claim to be Christians. We all claim to be followers. We all claim to be disciples, and yet it's so hard for us to peel off a few dollars. It's so hard for us to get rid of some of the creature comforts we have. Right. Right. It's so difficult for us to 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 dissociate ourselves to let go of those things and to trust trust, god right Right? it's so hard to trust god we think well if i give this money right how how am i going to make it here that's exactly right how am i going to fill in that gap because we see that in government all the time right Right. well uh you know if we if we give a tax break then we're going to have to make up that money somewhere else right or if we don't spend this money we're not going to have the money you know the next time around exactly right so all these it's it's all about the money and where's that money coming from right Right, so you you've got this cost of living, and you need to generate this amount of money, and you got to have that money. And and what what Jesus is essentially saying is, you got to trust God. Right. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to trust Him at some point. Hard and sometimes we have to make a leap of faith at this point, and try to figure out what does God want us to do. Right. But I can tell you this, based on that scripture, I can tell you this that that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, unless it is costing you, and I'm not talking about just money. Okay. But unless Unless there's a cost, unless you're counting the cost, you're not truly a disciple. Because essentially what you're doing is you're giving of your excess. You're giving of your cast-offs. 
right? right? Now, for those of you who are listening, I'm not telling people that if you have an extra coat, you shouldn't share it with the homeless. Or if you have extra food, you shouldn't give it to the food bank or, or whatever. Or if you have extra money, you shouldn't give it to, um, uh, to the poor. You should do these things because these are the good fruits of your efforts, right? Blessing right. God and blessing your life, these good fruits that come from your work. Yeah, we have extras. We should share those with people. But Jesus asks us to go even further and go even deeper and to share that which costs us, share that which makes us comfortable. Because when we're comfortable in this world, what does that mean? Might be uncomfortable in the next. Or we've grown comfortable in the things that don't provide eternal comfort, That's which true. is exactly what you're saying. Right. You ain't going to be comfortable in the next because you're not going to be there because you're so wrapped up in making sure you're all snug and tucked in here, right. that you got your nest egg, that, you've, that you're retired, that you got all these things, all, all your ducks in a row, whether it's financial, spiritual, um, anything, family life, whatever it is, we got everything all organized, and now, now I can give. Yeah. And if you wait until then, work that way. it ain't working. Right. So speaking of waiting, let's let's talk about the next guy that shows up because he's a waiter. The next guy that shows up and says, well, actually, Jesus calls him. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus actually calls him and says, follow me. Mm-hmm. And again, the guy's like, well, you know, I think I'd be willing. And basically says, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Now. At the outset, that sounds like a perfectly reasonable request. Sounds reasonable to me. You know, and then there's Jesus, you know, he has another cryptic answer. He's a zinger. Yeah, he says, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Let the dead bury their dead. It's harsh sounding. It is harsh sounding. And a lot of people might think, well, is, is Jesus basically saying that he, this man, uh, you know, obviously a Hebrew, and, and it's a great responsibility that would fall on the child, the son, has the responsibility of burying his father. And likely, some biblical scholars look at this verse and go, it's likely that guy's dad wasn't actually dead. Right. That he's just espousing or vocalizing that familial duty he has right. as, a, as a Jewish son that I know I have to bury my father. So before I follow you, Jesus, I have to take care of all these things. Right. i got to get all of these ducks in a row. Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. And what he's doing there is not disrespecting the father Mm -hmm. and not disrespecting the law. But what he is saying is that the law should not dictate, but you should see the priority. You should realize the importance. What is the law leading us to? It's leading us to God. Right. And if you start being coming pharisaical and worrying about the law more than you worry about God, you're missing the whole point of the law. Yeah. Right. And he's not saying that you should disrespect your father. He's not saying that. He's just saying that, you know what you need to do? You need to strike when the iron's hot. You need to strike. You need to move when the Holy Spirit calls you to move, yeah. not to wait. Yeah. Think about that. That's, that's one of the most important things to remember is how many times in our lives have we failed to do that? Yeah. How many times in our lives have we thought, oh, you know what? I need to send that thank you note. Oh, you know what? I, you know, so-and-so, they just lost their, their you know, some family member. They had a death in the family, whatever. We need to take them a meal. Yeah. And how how many times have we not done it? Yeah. We thought about it, yeah. but we didn't do it because we didn't do it when we thought about it. We yeah. didn't do it right there. We didn't strike when the iron was hot, when the spirit moved us. Yeah. And so often we do that. We compartmentalize yeah. in our spiritual life as well. Yeah, don't, don't waste those good intentions. Exactly right. The Holy Spirit's at work at you, brother. Don't, yeah. don't put it off. Yeah. 
right? And we're going to talk more about putting it off because we're going to put off this show. <laughs> Very good. Until, until we uh, come back in a second. Before we do that, though, we want to remind people at home that we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear about any particular topics you might uh, have in mind that you want to hear about because we've got a lot of shows out there uh, and uh, a lot of different topics. But you know what? There's a lot of stuff that people want to hear about. Send me an email. Send us to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com, and I'd love to answer the emails. I, I try to answer every single email that comes to me. Sometimes it takes me a while, but you know what? I like to do that. As long as I can, I will, uh, and I'll answer yours. So please send me an email. Now, with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. St. Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the church. He converted many to Catholicism, but at the same time made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, To us, this was a period of light when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we're we're talking about what it means to be a disciple. And I'm sitting here talking to my good buddy, 
Tom Dorian, who is every man. And, Tom, we're talking about, first of all, we mentioned the guy that uh, uh, needs to count the cost. Right. To be a disciple, you've got to count the cost. You've got to realize, and it's got to count. It, it's got to cost bins. you. If, if, right. you, if it doesn't cost you something, you're not truly a disciple because you're not really giving anything up. You're right. not really doing anything. Yeah. Right? Then, then the second guy. Yeah. You know, who wants to, he wants to take care of all these other things before he gets into discipleship. Yeah. Lord, I want to be a disciple, but first I need to go bury my father. Yeah, and I see you scanning your notes. You're all excited. I I'm can ready tell. to move on to guy I can number see three. You. I, I see that. I'm with you. I'm your wingman. But I'm going to back you up just a little bit. Okay. And that is, explain to me, or for all of us, how that second guy applies to us. What's some good spiritual ways that that, that particular example apply, would apply oh, to us? Well, yeah, okay. So I guess we should make a real-world kind of yeah. example spiritually, what, what, what that would mean and how it might apply to our lives. I'll, I'll I'll say this. If you do you know the average age of the permanent deacon in the United States of America? Oh, 50, 60, somewhere in there. Fifty five. Okay. It's actually sixty three. Okay. Right? Sixty three. And what do you think the average age of the permanent deacon in the rest of the world is? Uh it's a trick question, so I'll say thirty five. It's actually forty two, but it's it's twenty something it's twenty years old. Big younger. difference. It's a huge difference. Right. Now the practical example, right? Is this, this, I see this so often when people come to me and they, they write me emails. I, I just got a nice email from a guy from Georgia who's, mm-hmm. and I'm praying for your brother, by the way, uh, who's who's in his aspirancy year in the permanent diaconate. He, he wants to give his life to God. He wants to answer that call. Young guy, right? I don't know. I have no idea. And this okay. is not about him. Okay. I just want to let that guy know that okay, I'm, I'm praying sorry. for him, Albany, Georgia. So anyway, so I'm praying for him. <laughs> Right, and so and I frequently people will will email me and they'll ask for an, a, advice and I, and some people I've talked to about you know you'd make a great deacon, right. and usually the first pushback I get will be well you know I've got uh, I got a family I got young kids I got this job thing is working and where I got this going on I got that going on and these are all these. And so, what talking Jesus, to the wrong guy on that one, aren't well, they? Well, I guess the point. Yeah, no, I, I I went into formation with seven kids, right? Uh, but the point being. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying that Jesus wants us to look at at at, at you know the situation in in a spiritual way and realize that the Holy Spirit is calling you now. The Holy Spirit usually doesn't say, "I want you to be a permanent deacon in my church," but I want you to wait 15 years. Usually, right. usually you'll get that advice. Usually, you'll get this this feeling of a call. Right. God is calling me to be involved in His church in some way, and I really feel drawn and called to the diaconate. Rarely does the Holy Spirit ever say specifically, well, you need to wait 15 years. You need to wait till you're retired. Yeah. Now, I do not think that it's bad for a man who is retired to become a deacon. That Don't, don't misunderstand that either. I think when you're called, you're called. But what I will say is we, one of the reasons why in America we have a, a higher age, average age of the, of the permanent deacon is because people are waiting. They're waiting yeah. until they get all their life in order before they give it to God. It doesn't trust. mean they're unholy. It's trust well, thing. I know it's it's. I'm not saying it's easy. No, it, no, it, no. It was no. a challenge for me. I, yeah. I admit. But the truth is, I think God is calling people to be deacons when they can be most effective. When people can listen to the preaching and realize, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's got seven, eight, nine kids, or two. Ki- he's got kids. He's got young kids, or he's got a job. He's got a wife, and and they're you know uh, st- still a, they're a great couple or whatever. And and you know, so he's got some experience. So when they hear that. They don't think that you're some old guy who's forgotten all that stuff. Now, I know there's great wisdom with age as well. Right. So that's why I don't discount 
an older deacon. I'm going to be an older deacon one day. Yeah. You know, but the point is, I think the Holy Spirit called me, and when the Holy Spirit called me, I answered yeah. right then and there. And I, and, I, and I think other people need to realize that. So a practical example for this, this, this second guy that comes to Jesus is, well, you know, first let me go and bury my father. Yeah. Jesus is saying, strike when the iron is hot. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit moves you, brother, do it. Go. That's when you're. That's when you're getting the graces. That's when you're getting all the creative juices, all the excitement, all the adrenaline, the spiritual adrenaline that's moving you forward. That's when you're supposed to be doing that stuff. Good stuff. So now let's talk about this third guy. Okay. So the third guy comes up, and he says, "I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to my family at home." Now this guy, I feel bad for him. <laughs> Because he came up to Jesus and said, like, all I want to do is say goodbye to my folks. Probably the most reasonable request of all. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, do you think Jesus, you know, it's like. Give me some slack here, man. And so here's, here, now Jesus now, Jesus knows this man. He sees into his heart. So we have right. to realize that right oh, off yeah. the bat. And these are meant to be examples for us, for all of us. They wouldn't be in Scripture if it weren't meant for us to read and understand right. and apply to our own lives. Right. So you have to know Jesus is not disrespecting the family. It's not that he doesn't care about the people that, that you love. What he's teaching us here with this little other sort of cryptic answer, he says, No one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. What does he mean by that? No one who sets a hand to the plow. What happens when you look over your shoulder when you're plowing? What happens to the plow? Oh, probably the same thing when you're driving. That's exactly right. You're going to be pulling to the right or the left. That's exactly right. You're going to get out of of line. Exactly. You know, you lose focus of where you're going. If you are dwelling in the past, if you're looking at the great stuff you did previously, if you're living in that, or if you're looking at the stuff that has brought you great pain and suffering and you're living in that and dwelling in that, carrying all that baggage around. Or if you're just constantly looking behind you, what a great family I came from, what a great upbringing, what a great school, what a great whatever. And you're looking over your shoulder constantly. You're not looking forward. Right. You're not looking at the goal. You're not looking at what Christ wants you to look at. To be a follower, you actually have to have your eye on the lead man. Yeah. You can't follow unless you're looking to him, right? I just recently was at Boy Scout camp. And I, uh, at the camp we were at, I uh, had to cross a river every day in mm-hmm. the car. Mm-hmm. And so this, about a 50, 60-yard bridge, concrete bridge, that would separate our camp from the, rest of the, uh, from the rest of the area. And so I would cross this every day a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Now, this thing was only about a, a car length and a half wide. Okay. So it's not that wide. No. And there's no railing and no wall. So it's basically just a concrete flat road that just kind of on a trellis that goes straight across. You better not be looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Let me tell you something. This, is, <laughs> this was not the ideal bridge for me because, you know, to get across the bridge, I had to consciously keep my eyes fixated on the other side of the river. I had to keep staring at my goal because as soon as I got halfway across, man, I wanted to look down. You know, you look down the left of the oh, river yeah. and you watch the beautiful winding path oh, with the yeah. little rocks and yeah. the butterflies flitting about and all the trees waving in the breeze. And to the right, it happened to be this this sort of uh, uh, water uh, front play area for all the scouts. And there's like this big water slide and they're all having a great time. And so you want to look one way or the other. Right. And I knew that if I looked one way or the other and counted to three, I would be wet. Exactly. And there would be this whole big story about how that guy, you know, drove into the water and they had to come tow his vehicle out. And, you know, to, to, but to 
not have that be a problem, I had to keep my eyes constantly fixed and forward, right. looking to where I wanted to be, looking to the goal. And what Jesus is saying here, because see, if you're if you're if you're plowing a field, looking over your shoulder, you, everything's going. You're going to go to the left, right. or you're going to go to the right. You're exactly. never going to plow a straight line. You're not going to be a good farmer, right? Right. Well, same thing with ministry. Same thing with with discipleship. You gotta you gotta be purposeful. You gotta have a goal in mind. You have to have a place where you are going. You and you to attain that goal, you have to keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. Right. So often we we get distracted. Yep. And there's lots of good things in the world to distract us, good and bad things. There are a lot of things that take us off the path. There's a lot of sinful things, right? We know uh, some of us spend too much time on the internet. Some of us have problems with pornography. Some of us have to- problems with uh, with you know lust for money or power or whatever. But then also we have these good. Some of us are just party people, have a good old time and just relax and not worried about things. And you're not looking forward. Right. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to follow me, you got to see me. You got to look at me. Right. Look at the leader. Right. Yeah. If you want to follow me, you got to keep your eyes on the prize. You got to keep fixed and focused. And uh, you know you have to be purposeful. And intentional. Mm-hmm. There's this phrase. There's a couple of books out right now talking about intentional discipleship. Mm-hmm. That means you you have to want to do it. You have to mean to do it. Right. And you think about that for a second. And how many of us raise our hands and say, oh, "I'm a Christian. I'm a follower. I love Jesus." Yep. And yet, these three guys did that to Jesus, and all three of me saw into their heart and said, "Are you really?" Yeah. Let me leave you some words that you can go home and kind of ponder, discern, pray about. Then come back and tell me tomorrow. Are you really a follower? Yeah. You know, the passage, the Bible, um, you know, is broken up into little sections, and they titled that that section, the would-be followers of Jesus. Hmm. Right? These are people that would be, except they have these issues. Yeah. Right? They would be a follower, except they don't count the cost. Yeah. Right? They would be a follower, except they don't strike when the iron's hot. They don't strike when, they don't move when the Spirit tries to move them. Right? They would be a follower, except they can't keep fixed and focused on, on being purposeful. And that's that's what we're called to be. Yep. So now, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be a disciple? Would you be able to answer that question? I think I could. Give me some examples. What would, how would you, how, what would you, what, what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, it's going to be three things. One is, uh, no, it's going to be a cost. It's not going to be something easy. I need to strike uh, right now. I don't need to be waiting around. And the third thing is keep focused. Don't uh, don't look over my shoulder. See, you're gonna you're gonna make a great disciple one day. I hope I'm just so. kidding. You already are. <laughs> and you know what? So many things we kind of already do in life. So many right. of these things we really are kind of doing. But we should be aware of this. That's and what you said earlier about live, doing it on purpose. That's right. Be conscious right. And, and always have your eyes open as you look forward. Right. And of course, we don't want to do anything without you know. Asking God for help. Absolutely. So that's why we're going to close this show in a And prayer. ask for some help. That's right. And God's going to do it. All right. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Give us the grace we need to be true disciples. Help us to count the cost, to act when the Spirit moves us, and to keep us focused on the goal of a heavenly reward. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.